Welcome into the Halftime Brewskies podcast. That was my best open of all time. I've realized in listening back to myself that I start with a kind of bored, delayed open, but that one was the most energy we have seen ever on this podcast. It's your best friend, Ollie. I've still got James alongside me. Nothing else has changed in our brief hiatus to the Halftime Brewskies podcast, but we'd like you to take advantage of International Bath Day. Today is International Bath Day, and we want you... Oh, it's also International Ninja Day, and we want you to ninja your way into the bath to listen to this podcast. It'll be a cracker. We're going to talk about the NBA free agency. We're going to touch on the world juniors. And of course, we're going to talk about the NFL. That's what we're going to kick off with. James, I'm going to throw it to you that the Steelers are still undefeated. So a couple of weeks ago, we picked who we thought would still be undefeated out of the Steelers. I don't actually know if either of us picked the Steelers to be the one undefeated team, but we both did talk about how the Ravens proved to be the toughest competition to their undefeated streak. The Steelers beat them, but kind of unconvincingly. Do you think this is coming towards the end of the Steelers undefeated season, or do you think they're going to go the whole 16 and 0? I don't think they're going to go all 16 and 0, but like, to be fair, I was wrong when I, didn't project them as being the ones who would go undefeated the longest. And that was like five weeks ago now, six weeks ago. They were like, oh, and I think they were like five and oh at that time or six and oh. Yeah, it and was it really, it was it really proved both of us. They really proved both of us wrong. Yes. Um, in all fairness, they could easily go 16 now, just like looking at their schedule. I mean, the next kind of hard game that they have to play is against the Bills. Uh, and well, and yeah, the Bills is a, is a real game now because I think we kind of pulled that out and said, oh, yeah, maybe the Bills, but it's a bit laughable. But the Bills this year have been legitimate and I think are legitimate contenders to at least go to the not, I wouldn't say the Super Bowl. I think that's a bridge too far for this team yet, but you never know because of how they're playing. They're plucky, they try hard. But I think the Bills are a legitimate contender. Yeah, and they're just they're they're a hard team to play against. As Seattle kind of found out when they lost them, right? They they can kind of play on both sides of the ball. Um, I still don't think they're the best in the division, or sorry, not the best in the league. But um, like they're going to be they're going to be a tough go against anybody in the playoffs, and especially trying to get to sixteen and zero, they are probably the biggest challenge standing in their way. Uh, because out of the remaining five games, I would say the Bills are going to be the toughest for the for the Steelers to kind of get through. Yeah, um, but then they have you know the Bengals the following following week, and to be honest, the Bengals without Joe Burrow don't really pose too much of a challenge, in my opinion. Well, uh, so- and then you have the Colts and then you have the Browns, who are both teams that are very inconsistent but can show up on a given day. So yeah, so here's a slightly unrelated but kind of related question. The Steelers-Ravens game was supposed to be the headline of the Thanksgiving Day weekend games. Obviously, as everybody knows, the Ravens had a number of COVID cases, including Lamar Jackson, and they had to postpone, and they postponed it, you know, and they pushed it back a couple of days, and they ended up playing on the Wednesday. On the Sunday, however, the Denver Broncos had a COVID situation, and they lost all four quarterbacks. And yet the league league decided to tell them to get stuffed and so they had to play and i can't remember the name of the rookie wide receiver who came in and qb'd and you know really gave it his all but how is it fair that the league was so happy to push the steelers ravens game and not give the broncos a pass because in theory like the broncos came out and said uh, at least Drew Locke came out and said, you know, we we made a mistake. We weren't masked up when we were with the guy who ended up testing positive, and that's why we had to isolate. But you have to assume the same things happened at the Ravens camp. Like, people made the same mistakes. But why do you think it's fair that – or do you think it's fair that the league told the Broncos to get stuffed while they kept going with the Ravens? This COVID kind of thing has kind of thrown everyone for a loop. Um, and I, I – it's one of those things that it, like it's I don't know the interworkings of the uh, of what actually happened with the Ravens and and the Broncos and the timing of that and when the league was informed of it and 
like the fact that like Denver lost everybody, like everybody yeah. was deemed ineligible to play. I think the one thing that was kind of an, an eye raiser is if they moved the game to Monday or even Tuesday, some of the quarterbacks would have then been eligible again. Yeah. Um, so it was a minor schedule change that would have made um, a big difference for the Broncos. But yeah, the NFL not moving it. It's one of those things that I, I'm not really sure what to make of it because yeah, you did have that 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 change for the Ravens. Um, yeah. When Lamar Jackson wasn't available, but you didn't make it for for the Broncos. So it's just one of those things that you can look at it from the outside and be like, that's kind of bull crap, you know, kind of call it like it is. But do we really know kind of, you know, how the teams kind of, maybe the Ravens just let the league know sooner and we're much more open about it. Um, Perhaps. And also that was, a, that was, that was a much bigger game to the NFL and their, and their, and their, and their fans too. Yeah. Um, that, that, like, that was a, that was a 10 and 0 Steelers team going up against their closest competitor in the Ravens. Yeah, and I, and I know, and it's also, and it's you know, it's different because it was also a big rivalry game. It always is with Baltimore and Pittsburgh, but you can't help but feel that, like the the difficulty with football is that there because there are so few games, every game seriously matters because you know it's like uh, Washington were four and seven, and I think the and the Eagles were three six and one. And like, you know, one, you know, one game difference in that wildcard spot means that Washington now no longer is the closest in the leading pack. Like, you know, there, there's so many fine margins in football. And so the game against the Broncos, I can't remember who's playing the Broncos though now for the life of me. Thanks. Um, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, it was a free, it's a free game effectively because football is so like, there, there's no football team that is going to win without a quarterback starting you're just, you know it's like other sports if you don't have your starting pitcher or your ace you have a chance to win or you know you don't have your starting striker in a soccer game you still have chances to win but football is so reliant on the quarterback that yeah. in so many ways it's not only unfair to the broncos it's unfair to all of the other teams because there are so many other teams that are going to get affected by te- other teams picking up wins or losses yeah and the league making that call with no justifiable reason other than just kind of seeming like, well, we're going to just give it to the Steelers and Ravens because that's a bigger game. Seems a bit harsh. But that, I think that's just kind of the NFL though. And I think that that's if, if, if fans have kind of learned anything from this year is that the NFL is really in it for themselves. I think there've been yeah. a lot of problems this season. Um, and, and just the way they've kind of handled a lot of this. Like, I have a lot of sympathy for sports leagues and, and them trying to handle COVID because, I mean, they are trying to hit a moving target. Uh, there's different rules in every state. The, you know, the, what the science and what we're being told is changing kind of weekly at this point. So I do have a I do have a, an ounce of kind of sympathy for the people who are kind of tasked with dealing with it. But I think yeah, the NFL has really shown a arrogance to they are just going to do it their own way and they're going to kind of make up their own rules. And some rules apply to some people, some rules don't apply to the others. And I think that's what's going to bother people long term, right? But it's it's of nothing course. new from the nothing new from the NFL. The, like the NFL has always kind of been that elitist kind of they take care of you know the teams that make money and yeah yeah well to yeah. hell with everyone else. The NFL, I think, is also, you know, the classic multi-billion dollar sports league that doesn't have, like, the, the referees on massive calls and massive plays, like, oh, yeah, I, th- I think it, I think he got there. It's like, you, you know, every other major sports league around the world that's got mil- millions and billions of dollars uses technology and has a lot of different ways. But the NFL is just kind of like, oh, yeah, I think he, I think he got there. I think so. Looks like, maybe, looks like he did. So it is, I think you're exactly right. It is just kind of virtue of the NFL being the NFL. Yeah. And just the NFL is a different kind of sports league in comparison to every other big sports league, right? It treats their players worse. And it, and it really is kind of an owner's kind of rule the world. And, totally. and the players are just kind of hired help. Absolutely. Um, and, and that has kind of been NFL's problem for a while now. 
doesn't mean that their top players aren't well compensated, but it's a very, very short list of people who are well compensated. Right? These guys are, you know, have very short careers, the, the vast majority yeah. of them, right? So, I mean, yeah, that, that's a much bigger topic for a much bigger day. And we didn't kind of mean to go down this track, but it's, yeah, kind, no, of, but we yeah, got, it's kind of yeah. reminiscent of a problem as a whole, right? So Exactly. So bringing it back to, because you mentioned uh, Joe Burrow and obviously he is done for the year. He was done for the year two weekends ago now. Um, I think he was probably one of, because the Bengals, as you said, are toothless without him. Um, and I think he was probably not a lock for rookie of the year, but a definitely one of the top two or three for rookie of the year. Now that he is out, who do you think is going to take rookie of the year? Like before coming on air, we kind of threw around three names that would kind of make sense. Um, yeah. I'm always partial to picking a quarterback uh, just because of how popular and how important they are to their team's success. And so everybody it, likes what they like. It's so obvious what they do. Like that's why a yeah. defense, like it's, it's the kind of thing where uh, in loads of sports like this, like a defensive player is never really going to win rookie of the year, unless it's astronomical number of sacks, inceptions, pick sixes. Cause they don't do stuff. That's kind well, of like win defensive headline. player of the year. Well, I know. Okay, sure. Of course they would win defensive player of the year, but I'm talking like, you're never going to see people. You like, people don't hold up sacks and, pick sixes as the coolest part and the best part of football they're like oh look at that guy you know consistently throwing touchdowns consistently you know making runs into the end zone it's like the yeah. it's like what's well, like uh well, i forgot i was gonna talk about yeah we'll get into the nba it was a different we were going to a whole other path so i'll just leave it at this uh name since you gave everyone away gave it away to everyone that we talked about this beforehand who is one of the three names that we talked about before we came on it, who you think is going to win offensive rookie of the year? Well, I came up with two and you came up with one. Well, that's because um, you took one of mine, but carry on <laughs> or whatever. Don't want to, don't want to have scores here, but yeah, yeah come on now. Um, no, I, I, I kind of said that if he can kind of stay healthy and kind of continue doing what he, what he has been doing, that Justin Herbert would be a, a kind of a clear pick as kind of that second quarterback after Joe Burrow is kind of being a guy who could take home that award. Um, yeah. Because I think the kind of the progress that he showed kind of throughout the year and, you know, what he's kind of done for that Chargers team is kind of eye opening um, because no one expected the Chargers to even kind of be relevant this season. I mean, they um, gave, the, they gave the chiefs a real run. Like no yeah. one expect, no one expected that team to do it. And Herbert did it handily and, you know, mostly by himself. Yeah, so I think he he definitely has a chance as long as he stays healthy and continues to play. Um, and then and then uh, you can say your guy. Uh, okay, well, I guess I, Chase Claypool. There you go. I just think, uh, you know, he's playing on a really good Pittsburgh team. He's doing a lot. Like, he's the, I think he's the glamorous, unglamorous pick. Because he's doing, you know, he's he's just playing well and he's doing the simple things well. And he's a good team member. He's, you know, working hard all the time. He's a coach's coach's dream. He tries really hard. Okay. He puts he gives he gives a hundred and ten percent. Yeah, clearly. Uh and but he's, like, in, he's, he's getting catches, like he's he's just performing he's just consistently performing week in, week out. Yeah, and he, I, I would say he's making big, big plays for the uh, for the Steelers. Um, yeah, he's kind of he's kind of a clutch clutch player for them, and especially an eleven zero team. Um, there's a few guys that you can kind of point to, and him being as a rookie, being able to stand out on an eleven zero team, I think is is kind of the big case for him. Yeah, he's it's it's admirable for sure. And but you know, I think what helps him is that it's no longer a team of superstars. You know, five years ago. You, there were Le'Veon Bell, Big Ben, AB, like all of these, you know, big names uh, in Pittsburgh. You know, it wouldn't be as easy for him to stand out, but he is by virtue of not really playing on a massive superstar-built team, able to stand out more. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's enough time left for Tua to kind of get in the conversation. So, no, I think I think uh, I think it's just it's slightly it's just too late. It's just too late, and the other guys yeah. are having too good of a year. Like if you know if yeah, there's just too, it's too much, too little, too late for for Tua to be able to make a make a bet. And we're gonna move from Tua to Tua Nets ball game basketball. That was that was the smooth transition I was going for, for like two Nets uh, basketball Brooklyn Nets didn't. I don't think it flew. I'll probably have to. Um... Nothing but net. Well, well done, well done. Uh, the NBA free agency was in full swing. It's died down a bit now, but it came uh, full circle because. Russell Westbrook was traded for John Wall um, and Bradley Beal came out today and said he was shocked by the deal. Absolutely shocked by the deal. So two questions. Who do you think won this trade and why do you think James Harden had a role in it? Ooh, okay. The second one is an interesting one because that calls for speculation. Exactly. Um, this is, and this now, is and, the question and master. Assume, yeah, exactly. So the first one, who won this trade? I don't think it's even close. Um, I think Washington won this. Hands down. Hands down. Um, because like contracts aside, because their contracts pretty much are a wash in the sense that they do make pretty much similar money for their similar amount of term left. Yeah. I mean, John Wall hasn't stepped on a basketball court, a professional basketball court, at least since what, 2018? Yeah, and he's, been, and, he can, and he's coming off to serious surgeries. Um, and I don't really care how good he looks on Instagram and YouTube and these pickup games that they've seen him playing in. Um, he, hasn't, he hasn't been on NBA court. And in that time, Russell Westbrook hasn't slowed down and is a continuous triple-double threat. Just um, as selfish as ever. Yes, yes. And no. Like, it's, it's for a lot of like what people say is him being selfish it's yes Russell Westbrook I would say hasn't been able to adapt in the sense that he needs to kind of learn how to play with others a bit better Mm. I think yeah but for a lot of the time when you are Russell Westbrook you are the best player on the court so the safest hands are still our own kind of thing I think that's how we kind of use it Um, but I think definitely the mix wasn't there with him and Harden Um, and having this kind of slide into your second question I think everyone was critical of the deal when they pretty much gave up their future and Chris Paul to acquire Russell to go play with, uh, with Harden. Yeah. And I still remember everyone at the time was like, this trade makes no sense. Like there's one basketball and there's two insanely ball dominant players who both don't really like to play with another person who's ball dominant like i mean harden didn't even work with chris ball who's a much more traditional point guard right he's a much yeah. more pass point guard yeah russell westbrook is not a pass first point guard russell westbrook is a give me the rock i'm not going to shoot it but i'll drive the net yeah right so it's 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 from that perspective that it's like not really surprised it didn't work out from that as an entirety i think russell westbrook will, will deal a lot better with Bradley Beal because Bradley Beal is a much more off the ball kind of shooter. He can mm-hmm. space the floor. Like he's, he's got the same range as Harden, but he doesn't need the ball in his hands to make a difference. Um, he can kind of float around and kind of just make his own shot in that sense. Um, so it will be very interesting to see if, if Harden does end up staying in Houston, which it's who knows if he who will knows? at this point. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how he vibes with John Wall because though John Wall might be a bit more pass first than Russell Westbrook, he is still I mean, a ball dominant point guard who yeah. relies on speed. Well, and- I think I think John Wall is uh like a John Wall of 3 years ago because that's pretty much when we last saw the real John Wall was a couple of years ago like a phenomenal point guard and one of the best in the league. Well, not really the best in the league, but definitely like on his game, you know, you'd few would pick against John Wall. And I think it's just going to be an interesting move because this whole dynamic of Houston has been this three ball and this, you know, get it to 
Harden hit the, you know, all of these, all of these kind of things. And they've gone from trying this Russell Westbrook shot at, you know, having two players and like, oh, you can only defend, you know, double team one, the other one's open. The problem being that neither of them passed. Uh, that they've gone now for John Wall, who, like, it, it's it's almost like they've seen that this method of play doesn't work, and they haven't done anything about it. They've just basically swapped a like for a like with someone who passes slightly more, and you might be slightly more of a team player. But you know, the whole experience of of Houston hasn't panned out yet because they haven't won anything. They haven't looked like they're going to win anything, and they've gone and used their biggest asset or debatably pretending between Westbrook and Harden, their biggest asset. And they've traded him for someone who is effectively a poor man's Russell Westbrook. Yeah. For, for like from every indication you can see in this, like they're not, not a better team without Russell Westbrook. Like you sub no. John Wallen for Russell Westbrook. They're not a better team. Um, it might work out a bit better. He like he might be a bit better of a fit, but John Wall's not not an immensely better shooter. Um, he's not an immensely better passer. Um, he's not a better player. I mean, Russell Westbrook's an All NBA oh, player pretty yeah, much overall. every season he's ever been in the league. Um, yeah. John Wall, I think, has maybe like two All NBA teams in his career, um, and they weren't first All NBA teams for sure. So, yeah, no, it will be interesting to see. I. I'm kind of stuck in this I in this belief that I might look stupid for saying this, but I don't think James Harden is the guy. He can't be your number one in a championship run. I, like he is probably an elite number two. I just don't think he has that. I I I don't even know what it is, but that just that LeBron or Kawhi mentality of I'm the guy on the court. I'm oh, that just, Kyle whatever Lowry. Whatever it takes. Well, Kyle Lowry was the number two on his team, but yes. Um, <laughs> well, debatable. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Options. I totally yeah. no. I I I totally agree. Um, in that, I've like for all of for all of Harden's abilities, uh, I don't think he's ever going to win anything. No. Now, like. The only way I could see him winning something is if it, is if he did get that move to like Brooklyn, and then he was with Kyrie and KD. Well, that would be that would be like a, a reimagined Warriors of four years ago. Yeah, and that like would that's, kind of that be is, the one that is way true. That, that's it. And 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 from that perspective, he wouldn't be the number one guy. Like I mean, any any team with KD on it, KD's the number one option, right? Yeah. So, well. It's KD. He's, yeah. It's KD. And, and like KD, you're not gonna, KD. Whether you like him or not, I'm not a big fan of him. But he, he's got a championship. And he's he's made unbelievable. Big shots. He's yeah. he's unbelievable. He is, you know, he's unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that that would be one way that you could see him. I don't like if Harden went to Philly. Um, he 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 would be the main guy in Philly. So who knows how that would work. Um. So yeah, no, it, it will be interesting to see if he if he stays in Houston because I think he did have a part to play in Russell's trade. Yeah, um, but I, I think from like he had a part to play in, in Chris Paul being traded for Russell Westbrook, and he had a part to play in Chris Paul choosing to leave the Clippers to go to like. He, I don't really trust who what James Harden says anymore, and like if I was the front office in Houston, which is a completely new front office, Daryl Moore is no longer there. Like I just wouldn't trust him. Like, like no. if, if I don't think he came can. up to me and he's like, "I need this player to win," I would be like, "I don't really believe you because you've burned us twice now." Yeah, um, I don't think you can. I don't think you can trust him. And I think and that's... we've given up our future for both guys. Yeah, and and it's one year later or two years. I think it was two years for Chris Paul, one year for for Russell Westbrook. Yeah, and what burned both what, times? Just what surprised me about this is that. You know, it's like the the old adage of, you know, they got caught the first time when they traded their future away to get Russell Westbrook, and it quite obviously didn't work. How, like, are they so sure? Or I don't, I just, I just don't understand how the thinking goes. If we're going to trade away Russell Westbrook, one of the best players in the league, and we are still going to be in our championship window, 
like how does that how does that compute to any rational gm coach manager whoever it is because you are not trading russell westbrook unless like unless you're trading russell westbrook for futures which wasn't on the table which no wasn't one, on the no one like, wanted that like, contract but like you know it doesn't you know none of it makes sense unless you're trading unless they were trading russell westbrook for Giannis, like there isn't there aren't you know you're not you're not making the team any better by getting rid of him so how they aren't just shooting themselves in the foot every time and how i think james harden like if houston has to be selfish and they've got to think well we're not going to win anything we have nothing in the prospect pool anymore we have no picks you have nothing let's dump everyone and rebuild because they're not winning anything and that's not going to be a popular thought in houston let alone in loads of places but 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 to, in saying that i if i was a houston fan which trust me i'm not i i would be almost okay with the rebuild at this point because absolutely like it's 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 it that doesn't old work. adage in sports you never want to be in between you know it doesn't like, work it, it's you either want to be a legit contender and believe yep. that your team can win which i don't think anyone in houston truly believes that and nope. you don't or you want to be a team that's clearly rebuilding and focused yep. on getting top young players. Yeah. And that's actually never, exactly the problem the Toronto Maple Leafs have not to mix our sports. It's the exact problem the Leafs have that they're in the middle. Anyway, they yes. were in the middle for well, a long time. Not anymore. Yeah. For, yeah. We're, we're, we're not we'll going to go into that right now, but <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. But no, it, but for, it's, you never want to be in between because that's where, I mean, some teams are happy to be there. As, you know, if, if they make the playoffs, make a little bit of money, but, for a team yeah. like Houston and a big basketball market like that, I could really see a, a, a large percentage of the fans being like, let's trade hard yeah. and blow it up. Now, because right? they haven't done a proper rebuild in really a long time since they acquired yeah. Harden, right? So, now speaking of legit NBA contenders, we've got two left to talk about. One is uh, the best free agent on the board. Came off the board, Fred Van Vliet to the Raptors, signing his $85 million contract. Uh, I think it was 80, it was 85, wasn't it? I think it was 85 over Something four. Like that, yeah. yeah. I think it was 80, 85 over four. Um, how much better does that make the Raptors? And do you think that, well, like they, they gave him just enough money um, to, like, I, well, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this because it ties into the second thing we're talking about. Um, but the Raptors gave Fred Van Vliet just enough money to keep him in Toronto, but not so much that they would put themselves in a salary cap issue for the Yana sweepstakes, which you've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Raptors did that purposefully? Or do you think they were just thinking, let's just get Fred Van Vliet back because we've got a you know almost 32-year-old Kyle Lowry. We're going to you know have no one else on the backcourt and we can't really trust Norman Powell to run the show. Um, so to answer your first question, um, I think everything the Raptors have done this off season has kind of eyes on the future. Um, and I, and I, and I do think that. Masai is, clear, is smart enough to do it. Yeah. They're clearly thinking long-term here. Like, Abaka and Marcus all both walked yes. because they weren't going to be given a second year. Um, like, like I, I'm surprised Abaka didn't take that. There wasn't enough. Like he signed a two year, $19 million deal to go to the Clippers. I'm shocked that the Raptors didn't offer him a one year, like 15 or 16 million um, and just bring him back for one year. And then like, he could have made almost two years of money in one year and then hit the free agency next year again. So I'm surprised about that a bit, but it was coming I mean, off a good year though. Yeah. But he could have made a lot more on a one year deal. And I think that he would have made more money over two years if he'd t- taken a big one year deal and then hit the free agency next year and maybe did another one year deal or like there would have been a, a big contract next summer as well. Yeah. But I think, I think that the Raptors have been very clever in the way they've mapped out their salary cap. Like they had a lot of money coming off this summer, which it's sad that Giannis wasn't available or wasn't a free agent this summer because of just the amount of contracts and the amount of money that came off our books um, really would have made it conducive to uh, giving him a max. But 
I mean, the Fred Van Vliet thing is, is to answer your first question, did it make us better? No, because, I mean, he re-signed. He was already our player. Um, but I think he was an important piece because, yes, Kyle Lowry's 34. He's going to be 35 next year, and he's going to be out of contract next year, and he's not going to get $30 million. So um, I think going forward, it will be kind of Fred Van Vliet will be the, you know, the guard who kind of runs the show. And you might see Kyle move to a more off-ball kind of role, um, but everything I think everything the Raptors have done have been eyes on that 2021 free agent class, um, because you got to remember it's not just Giannis that is is a free agent. Like if Kawhi wants to be a free agent next summer, Kawhi could be a free agent next summer, right? So you got to exactly. I don't think you'd ever leave LA. I think he's he, he's he's there now. I don't but, know. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of discord. A there's a lot of discord but it's not with him well I, no I it's not with him but it's everyone it's, else on the team doesn't like him yeah. supposedly supposedly yeah but it's i mean the gm and the owner will trade everyone else before they before they touch him right he is yeah the, the crown jewel of their franchise right he is their franchise at this point so but again like if he wanted to be a free agent next summer he could be so i think that you need to keep options open for next summer um so I think from that perspective, I think the Raptors have done very well um, to kind of keep themselves competitive um, in the short term while keeping your options open for the long term. I don't yeah. think they're the best in the East. I don't think they're going to win the East, but I think the East is a lot more wide open than the West. So, I mean, anyone well, really has a chance because I don't think the Boston Celtics got any better. I think they got a little worse. Um, I think Philly still hasn't figured it out. I think you go down the list of all the teams in the East – um and kind of find fault with all of them right so yeah well the west as you said is not open and that's partly because the lakers only get better and better this year and they have only got better and better this year not only do they bring ad back well not that anyone really thought he was ever going to leave anyway but he gets his new contract marcus all comes in like you know they're just yeah they're just they're just making good smart moves and really, it's almost like, why don't we just keep the basketball trophies in LA? Let's just, you know, just just keep it there because there's no way that that delightful gold ball is going anywhere but LA next year. I mean, like, uh, I think when we did our predictions, I think I gave LA as being the ch- best chance to kind of repeat. Um, yeah, I don't. I think and, I picked the it, Heat, which was stupid idiot yeah. i picked the heat. like why would you why would you ever pick the heat that was ridiculous i'm yeah. uh, the only way the only reason the heat could ever have a chance stand a chance of winning is if he honest goes that's the only way that he go yeah but i think what the most important thing i think you can kind of see through the lakers is that i mean they're starting five didn't get any better because i don't think their starting five was really going to be touched but i think the most important thing for them was they really solidified their bench and their depth yep. Um, yeah, which will give more rest to Davis and LeBron going into the playoffs. Because I mean, we all got to remember, LeBron is old. LeBron's <laughs> yeah, a lot does... older than what people think, right? So well, yeah, but that's because he plays like a twenty-six-year-old still. Oh, and and okay. he's and he, yeah. and he's still amazing, right? But I think it's one of those things that you do need to start keeping track of how much you want to play him because he like as as dominant as he is you you can't continue to have him play 40 minutes a night like it's just Mm. like it's you got to keep a long-term kind of outlook on this right so well he wants to be there he like everybody knows we all assume lebron is there until his son gets drafted and then la will do whatever they can to sign to draft uh lebron's son so Yeah. yeah Yeah, I do believe that is kind of the long term. And like they, but they will that, trade that anything only, for that pick. They, that only ha- well, that only happens if. Well, it comes in. It comes in in the year that LeBron has a player option, which I think is in three years or two, three years now. I think maybe. it's two years. Two, yeah. Um, so I, 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 there's there's kind of two options for it. I think if if the NBA reverses the um, the high school then that could be an option is that LeBron James Jr. 
um, his son could go straight to the NBA from high school, which is what LeBron did, or yeah. he could but do a one and done and try to see that. That, that yeah. would be the other option, but that would just be another year on LeBron's career. But also, I think, well, yeah, sure. I think there's definitely like the NBA is the NBA is suspicious stuff. It's like Derrick Rose in Chicago. Somehow, oh, how did it happen? There are loads of times the NBA has, you know, done things. That would be that, uh, that would be a that, little too on the nose. No, but I think like that would I just think, uh, that would be too obvious. But of all of of all of the organized of all of the major sports leagues that you would want to be, uh like in control of trying to cement a legacy and like having uh something like this happen it would be the nba because you know gary bettman in the nfl and roger goodell in the like uh nfl roger goodell and gary bettman in the nhl uh are not going to really pull strings to make things happen otherwise conor mcdavid would have been a toronto maple leaf because that would have been the perfect story you know so the nba yeah, but uh, at the same time like if the nba was like that i like I almost think that they're almost the reverse of that. Like, I almost think they rigged it so the New York Knicks wouldn't win Zion because they didn't want to be accused of being. Well, they did. Yeah, but that's that's only because the stuff like down. I think I think they rigged it so New York wouldn't win because if (laughs) New York had won, everyone would have accused them for rigging it. But that they only have that issue because they've done stuff like somehow. What Chicago had that was twelfth. They had like one percent chance of winning that pick, and then they got first overall. Hometown boy in a in the iconic Chicago Bulls team. Yeah, and I and I mean like the NBA has had uh, a history questionable. Of kind of, sh- yeah, questionable. Like the Patrick Ewing thing when Patrick Ewing got drafted by the Knicks, like that was pretty much everyone knew that was rigged um, to get Patrick Ewing to the Knicks. But um, yeah, I I, I don't yet yeah, like. They're never I mean, going like to do everybody, it in today's society. They're never going to do it to get LeBron James Jr. on. Uh, like, everybody knows the NBA rigged it so the Raptors could draft Bruno. It, that name isn't ringing a bell with you. I think Bruno 20 seconds Yeah. Everybody he, knows. Yeah, he's two years away from being two years away. Everybody knows the NBA rigged it so the Raptors could draft him. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. he is he is the, and I think it's almost a direct quote, he is the, he is KD without you know like the basketball part of the it. talent yeah yeah no 100 yeah, yeah. he's still in the league though so you know good for him is he with is he with the magic now that's a good that's a good question i don't know i think, where he, Bruno Caboclo I, think plays. I think he's in orlando maybe dallas uh houston Ooh, he's Ooh, he's, he's uh he had a play, he had a role he had a role in that he had a role in that <laughs> westbrook trade uh, he's like gonna... he's, he's like I'm 25. It's my time to shine. <laughs> this is my time. I've seen you guys with your ball possession stuff, but my athleticism will win the day. That's why we need to get rid of Russell Westbrook, who is kind of athletic, and I will show you how to do it. Um, I really wish he and just if he is the first option for teams, and just like give him the ball, just see what Bruno could do. Just let Bruno loose, maybe, and you'll be maybe, surprised. Maybe he'll have an MVP season if people just allow his athleticism to do what we all know it can, which is be athletic. Yeah, his athleticism is pretty much just down to the fact that he's like six eleven, six eleven, and massive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and just he's really good for a massive dude. Um, yeah. we're gonna go on to what some people affectionately call uh, cold sticky puck. Um. Those people, I don't know who they are, but that's another one of my world-class trademark transitions. So write that one down for the wall. That could probably go on a poster. And talk about the World Juniors. Because two weeks ago, there was a, like this was, I think it was about two weeks ago when Canada sent uh, the players into camp in Red Deer. Since then, the camp has had a COVID outbreak. The whole thing is shut down for two weeks. We're about what 10 days no maybe not maybe not 10 days into the shutdown maybe well i mean maybe a week they're pretty close they're they're pretty close to coming out of it so it's it's a couple more days before camp will open if there are no more outbreaks or you know what have you but a couple big notes of how lafreniere hasn't been released to go which is a major blow for team canada but 
before we get into the specifics about Team Canada and the makeup of the team and how you think their prospects will do, first thoughts from the outset, who do you think is going to win the tournament? It's a very I, mean, open, I, I think it's a very open year this year. Uh, yes and no. I, I think Canada is the clear favorite, I think, going into this year. Uh, just because I, I think out of the, I, the specific numbers eluding me right now, but I think out of the 46 guys Canada invited to the camp, 23 of them or 24 of them were first rounders. Yeah. That's, I mean, just the, just the, like the immense amount of talent is just, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah. And, and yes, Lafreniere is not allowed to, to go, which I, I still don't understand that decisioning why. Um, but at the same time, Jack Hughes isn't allowed to go for the Americans. So I think that, yeah. that those kind of cancel each other out. Um, and we at least got to, to send Kirby Doc, who I think is just going to dominate this tournament. Nick Robertson is going though. Nick Robertson is going, Nick but Robertson like I mean, Kirby others. Doc has, uh, like he's an NHL player. Like like he played in the NHL last year and played very well. Like he, more like than he, handled himself. More than yeah. handled himself. Yeah, and and he is a truly you know he's a second line center on an NHL team, and he's now going back and playing with his age group, and he's an overager, and he's a third overall pick. I think he's just going to dominate this tournament. But back to kind of your comment about it being kind of wide open. It's just one of those situations that you get every, like in the past, we've only seen it kind of through lockout where during lockout kind of years, more talent is available to these, to these national programs than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I still remember, you know, the 2004, that lockout or they would know, sorry, the 2005 lockout and that kind of world juniors was kind of really special for Canada because that's when we had, you know, Dion Phaneuf and Patrice Bergeron and, and, and Sidney Crosby. And that was kind yeah. of one of the greatest world junior teams ever assembled. Yeah. Um, and then the next lockout, Canada was able to ice a very good team, uh, but we will not talk about where Canada finished in that tournament because that is probably a black eye for Canada. Um, is that the seventh? Is that seventh? Yeah. I don't, we didn't win. So that's all I remember. Yeah. But it was, it was the year that we sent, you know, uh, McKinnon and Druen and you know Ryan yeah. Hopkins and Malcolm Subban was the goaltender and it just it just fell apart. They had Jonathan good jerseys Uber- that year. Uberdo was there. Um, so yeah, f- from that perspective, you know we were we're one for two, I guess. But I think every team has just an ability to field kind of their best team that they possibly could. Yeah, there's no big injury. There's no big injury issues so far this year. So. I mean, you can kind of look at a few teams and, and say that they're probably in a, in a tier above everyone else. But I honestly think in any kind of year, you're kind of looking at the same teams being in a, in a group It's above. the same five. It's the same five teams, for sure. Always. Just is. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would say that Canada and U.S. are probably a bit better this year because some of their prospects who are on their team probably were going to be in the NHL. As opposed to like the best players for Russia, the best players for Sweden, the best players for Finland. I don't think if the NHL was happening right now that their guys would be in the NHL. So I think mm-hmm. their top prospects are their top prospects regardless. But I think for Canada and the U.S., their top prospects would have been in the NHL, whether it be you know Nick Robertson or Trevor Zegras or Alex Turcotte for the U.S. Um, and then Canada with you know Kirby Doc and Dylan Cousins and players like that. Mm-hmm. So I think from that perspective, I think uh, Canada and the U.S. probably have a little more depth. But even when I look at USA's roster and Canada's roster, it's the U.S. is good, but I just don't see the depth. Like just what Canada can roll out is four first lines when it comes when it comes to a junior. And I mean that defensive pairing of Bowen Byram and Jamie Drysdale is it's there's nothing dope. those two guys can't do, right? So. Um, question mark will come down to goaltending mm-hmm. like every world juniors that's canada's biggest problem always um so you know i think this this year is setting up to be uh, a pretty special tournament um sad no one no fans are going to be in the stadium because it's in canada and anytime it's in canada the, the fans usually get pretty uh pretty rowdy and that's a 
pretty big home ice advantage, but yeah, um, it's going to be bubbled. So, yeah, know. well, there's, I mean, the, the fans thing is interesting because just a couple of days ago, uh, Pittsburgh, I think it was Pittsburgh, Boston, um, I can't remember. There are two other teams. I don't want to say Columbus, but it was definitely Pittsburgh and Boston, the two notable ones I saw. Maybe the Devils, too, uh, talked about playing games outdoors because if they were playing them outdoors, then there was a chance they would be able to have fans in there. Um, because as we've seen, the NFL is, you know, in some stadiums, there's, there are fans, depending on where they are, state-controlled. Uh, in England, with the football, they just started welcoming back fans now, depending on what tier you are in the country. Depend, you know, the government have assessed that based on the, the COVID guidelines they've set up. So I think it's a really interesting prospect like it's one thing for an nhl team to try and figure out if they could do an outdoor game or outdoor games um it's a whole other thing if they tried to do a world juniors outdoors so that they could have fans but as we also saw from uh the canada u.s game that was outdoors what two or three years ago i think it was brady kachuk's like, year so that was so maybe, i think three years ago three years yeah that was that was a a, a pretty trash game because you know there were just so many issues with it and the quality of the ice and all these kind of different things so that but that's always the issue you have of uh playing an outdoor hockey game and i think the the shine of the nhl winter classic when it's outdoors is great because it's a one-off game and usually like it's you know it's it's a pretty good scenario when they've been able to figure it out but the prospect of having a whole world juniors outdoors just to get fans in is not worth it no not for not hey, the, the effect they would have on the the quality of the hockey like it's one thing to get the nhl players to do it and you know it's another thing with world juniors yeah like it's it's i mean as much as you kind of want to see uh fans in the stadium you don't want to take away from the from the quality of uh, of a tournament yeah um because it like like that outdoor game that was just a a preliminary uh, round yeah. robin game no yeah. I, I think it mattered but um it wasn't a deciding game because you gotta remember there's only a few games before um before you start to get into kind of the metal rounds right and kind of knockout games so i think you just never want um factors other than what the player's performance are going to impact a game um especially when it comes to hockey so it it, it I do enjoy outdoor games, but I've almost gotten to the point where they've kind of almost lost their um, appeal to me. Um, yeah. they, 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 they used to be something special where it was once a year, the winter classic, you pick two teams with big fan bases and you kind of go and play outdoors. Now the NHL has usually like you know, five or six outdoor games a year. And it's, and I get that they're trying to grow the game and, and markets, but when they're having outdoor games in LA when they're having outdoor games in Dallas, it's, it's, it, it really does lose, lose its appeal for me personally. Um, so yeah, from that perspective, I wouldn't want, um, I wouldn't want it in the world juniors. I'd much yeah. rather just have the bubble hockey and just have it being a best on best because I mean, when these kids, when these kids were playing U18s, it's not like there's many people in the crowd of U18s, right? So it's, that's true. Um, so much rather just have, you know, the best on best tournament. Now, speaking of marketing opportunities, growing fans, growing appeal for sports, uh, a couple of weeks ago, well, a couple of weeks, Thanksgiving weekend on the Friday, there was the third series, the third installment of the match, which is obviously the golfing game, uh, which was born out of Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson playing against each other, which was definitely the most compelling of the three because it was the two pro golfers and they were playing against each other going toe-to-toe uh raising money for charity was it like a million dollars a hole well there was there was like a like half a million a hole no i don't think i don't know if it was half a million a hole um i thought that's what it was but it i i know that phil mickerson was a lot of money it was a lot of money but i know phil mickerson won and you know won like 13 million dollars from it or something um so, you know, that and that was really good because you had two guys going at it who were both pros in the sport they were playing. Then uh, in a bid to raise money for COVID relief, they had the match two, which was Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, 
uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady playing with each other, which was a really great uh, idea. Unfortunately, it rained throughout the the match too, which kind of was a was a bummer on it. But what we discovered was that actually it was a lot of fun having celebrities play because golf is the kind of sport where every major athlete plays their sport and what they do for their time off is play golf and so we got the match three which had charles barkley and steph curry as the two uh new guys coming golfers in. yeah yeah and peyton manning came uh for the match as well coming in you know as said so i think two parts of it, at least for me was one it lost some of its appeal by not having two pro golfers and two other people yeah like i think you know part of the joys of watching the the first two matches where you had tiger and phil going against each other is that like the two pros cancel each other out and then the two celeb well, celebrities who were athletes cancel each other out so like you can you know you do it both ways but when yeah. Uh, because the pairings this time for the match three were Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley and Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. And like Steph Curry is a phenomenal golfer and he's, he's played like a really high levels of golf to the extent where when he was in college and playing basketball, loads of people talked about what, you know, kind of career he could have had if he'd actually stuck with golfing instead. That's how good he is. But you kind of knew that whenever Charles, like whatever shot Charles Barkley left Phil Mickelson, because Phil is a pro and one of the best pros of the this past era, you knew that whatever happened, Phil was going to make it a great shot and make it in and, and turn the game around. In spite of all that, just the prospect of this kind of competition, do you like this idea of like the televised two-on-two, you know, going at it somewhere like that? Do you think that's a viable kind of next step for kind of sports evolution? I, th- I think it's an interesting idea because I think a lot of people do find that really entertaining and it is, mm-hmm. and then it kind of does, it, it's like half about the golf and half about kind of, you know, kind trash of, talking. Yeah. Like the jokey kind of, trash and, talking. Yeah. And kind of the social aspect of golf. Right. And so you really don't get that when you're watching professional golfers, cause they are, they're doing their job. Um, yeah. and they are kind of, and they're, and they're, they're kind of in the zone, but, um, yeah, I think going forward, yeah, if you can even it out and have a pro golfer on each side and then, you know, maybe, you know, a famous actor on each side or another professional athlete on each side, I think that it's yeah. fun for the fans because it's it's an ability to watch golf in, in a different way. Um, because like me personally, well, I've never really been big into watching golf mm-hmm. um, just because I think it's uh, it, it can be a, a little long and tedious. Um, yeah well, it's a good if, if you're not really in it's but it's a really good snooze sport <laughs> like exactly. you know it's on yeah. all day it sounds nice you got the birds chirping the guys talking nice delicate tones it's exactly. easy to say you know it's easy to do all of these things yeah, and everybody on 17 and like it's you know it's just such a nice thing i think there there are two parts though because golf has really been at like the cutting quote-unquote cutting edge of covid sports adaptions like you know for different events in the summer they wired uh, they mic'd up different golfers so that on some days you would just listen to the golfer and they would talk with a caddy and it was fantastic because you know you always see them talking and you're hearing someone else talking but you're hearing them talk about stuff and you can hear them hit the shot and hear their reaction to it and that totally yeah. added another dimension to it and yeah. that's kind of what the match has given us but it also goes to show like you know, Phil Mickelson is great because he talks a lot and you need to have, and he's a funny guy, but you know, it kind of fell a little flat, like because Steph Curry and Peyton Manning aren't pros, they really had to focus. And then when it wasn't going well, they talked like they didn't chirp as much and talk less because they didn't just have it. Like they didn't have it in their bag, quote unquote, you know, to make a golf fun, they have in their bag. But like, I was really excited for before they announced names because Rory McIlroy, and Sergio Garcia, who, you know, two really good golfers had both said that they wanted in on this. And, and I know I thinking, exactly who I want to play with Rory McIlroy. Like, well, Rory McIlroy. Every, everyone knows who, who should play with Rory McIlroy. I don't think it's going to be a big American hit, but everyone knows who should play with Rory McIlroy. Well, you're obviously talking about Niall Horan from One Direction. You must be, because obviously that's the Northern Irish boys coming. I hope Niall Horan's from Northern Ireland. I'll have to Google that right now. No, 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 no. 
it's not I think Nile or whatever his name is I think he would actually have a actually no to be fair I don't think anyone would pay to watch him golf um but hey no, he James he'd go for James Corden oh he's just from Ireland Nile I take it back he's he's not Northern Irish yeah I don't think anyone would pay to actually watch James Corden um do anything at this point anymore um but oh, carry on but but back, I, I I I think from a Premier League perspective, I would love to see Roy McIlroy and Gareth Bale play. It would be fantastic. Like it would be. It would. But this is this is this is part of it. Like I think that would be a great combination. But you need to have. This is why they need to have a pro there because Phil was able to talk a bit of smack because he's a pro and he was like, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll sink that part. Like pick it up, kind of thing." But because neither Steph nor Peyton, even though they were, you know two of the greatest like well Peyton one of the you know great great all-time quarterbacks and Steph is the greatest shooter the NBA has ever seen you have these two guys like they're not golfers so they're not going to talk smack if they don't know they have it in the bag but like watching Roy McIlroy uh when he was mic'd up and in practice rounds he would a lot like there were constant jokes around it all and like Sergio Garcia I don't know he hasn't you know I haven't seen him play in a little while and whether he would talk smack too but it, that aspect of if they're the pro they're able to have like kind of the joking around and that just makes it better television I, th- I think Mark Wahlberg would be perfect for this as well because I think his commentary like, would be priceless yeah, he would well, chirp I mean, he would chirp on every hole well this is this is the kind of this is the fine line of these kind of things so it's like you could pick like a Kevin Hart because you know that would be great TV but the quality of golf would probably plummet. Like I know Mark Wahlberg golfs more than Kevin Hart golfs. Yeah. I assume. Mark that's because I've actually seen, that's because I've actually seen Mark Wahlberg. But like, you know, so I think yeah, there's a, he's a, big there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential for these kind of things to happen, especially, like definitely in golf to have more events like this. But do you think this kind of thing could happen in other sports? Like, do you think this, I mean, it's hard to, you know, it would probably like tennis. Do you think it's happen in tennis or like two-on-two basketball? Like, do you think this could happen two-on-two basketball? I, I, ju- I, I just don't think there would be an appeal to watch, you know, like other pros kind of play basketball against each other. Like, I think, I, I think, I think some, like so much of the factor is that golf is the universal pastime kind of thing. But it's also such a mental game where it's 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 kind of slow paced and and there is such a social dynamic to the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is, I I think from that perspective, like I don't really have any kind of, even if it was like LeBron James saying I'm going to go play a charity tennis match, I probably wouldn't care. Right. Yeah. And it's not like you're chirping across the court either. Right. It's like some of the like the fun golf is that you can go up right whisper in his ear right before he's about to putt and be like not gonna make this right and and kind of have some fun with it right so i think golf is kind of the perfect sport for that i don't think it could be replicated in other sports but i think you could definitely bring in other athletes and other you know if musicians were were kind of good at it uh, though i don't think they'd be great at you know great at it well i think i think there's just you know there needs to be i don't know who is i know it's called capital one the match i don't know who is responsible for organizing for it but I think that definitely has to be. Uh, they shouldn't. One. Uh, well, it's probably Capital One organizing it. <laughs> what I mean is like how they how they pick who does it. Like I don't you know I don't know if it's one person like just sitting there and like oh yeah it's great. I mean obviously Phil Mickelson will be a part of this because he has proved to be the pace setter and just great to watch on TV. Charles Barkley, don't think he'll come back and watch, you know, it was fine, but you know, like you have to just get people who are comfortable in all of these settings. And I think golf is probably the only sport that you're able to do this kind of format in. Yeah. And like, like, I think what, I think what would be a really cool one would be Dustin Johnson playing with his father-in-law, Wayne well, Gretzky. Well, so they I think, have... that, I think that would be cool against like Michael Jordan and someone. Like that yes. would be the two well, greatest is... players in other sports playing with, you know, two professional golfers. I think that would be very cool. I think Capital I would one, I mean, you can hire me. I am available. I um, would really, 
Yeah, I would really shot. like to see. Uh, I mean, I think everyone wants to see MJ play golf now because you know, for anyone uh, for that who, documentary, everyone knows anyone who like watched, he yeah. loves golf just as much as he did basketball. Yeah, and he might, you know, he might not be fantastic. I mean, it's Michael Jordan, so you know that he's, he's, he's a probably, ton of he's time, phenomenal. But you know, I he, bet might, not, he might not be well. He might not be great, but you know that he will shit talk everyone and anything because that's his competitive nature and you will see that on the course i guarantee that it would be great tv because it's mj and he's competitive as hell so he will go for it i bet you michael jordan plays golf every day so i i, I, I think I what think else he has he got be, to do now he's 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 worth a he's worth a pretty penny and i think that's what he loves to do and i think if michael jordan was on the the, the pitch the course or whatever the course, um, yeah. The course, the course. Yeah. The pitch, no. Yeah, uh, on the course, I, I think he'd be phenomenal. I think he'd be, you know, probably the best amateur golf, or not amateur, but the best kind of athlete so, outside of golf. So here's here's our pitch for the match four, which is Phil Mickelson and MJ versus Rory McIlroy and Gareth Bale. As yeah. I would still love to see, you know, well, Wayne Gretzky and Dustin Johnson because I think that would be much bigger uh, in North America. I, I, well, I the don't know. The greatest hockey player of all time the, versus the greatest basketball player of all time. Yeah, that's true. The difficulty, well, the difficulty with I mean, they are Gareth, truly the Gareth goats Bale, of there. Is that no one in America knows him? Not really. But if you picked, if he's, you picked, he's probably the best golfer out of them. Probably because like, he's, he's played probably all the time he, in the he could all, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But he's, I bet you he's, if he, if he wanted to play professionally, he probably was pretty close. Um, well, you know, I think, you know, if you wanted to pick a soccer player, you want to pick a football player and it's in America, you have to pick Christian Pulisic because he has name recognition across America. I don't know if he's, there's no way to know if he's a good golfer. I don't think he actually does though. Oh no, he does. I don't think a lot of people in the States actually truly know No, 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 no. He he does. Based on, based on, uh, I think it was a Bleacher Report. I saw this. I have to find it. Based on, um, Jersey sales. Oh, I really hope after I've Googled this now, oh, I can't. Is this American soccer jersey sales or are they buying Chelsea jerseys? No, no, no. This is based on just based on jersey sales. Oh, I'm not going to be able to find it. Um, based on jersey sales in America, what name is most popular? And the only like Pulisic dominated the whole East Coast and straight through the uh, Midwest and, cent- and kind of like central middle America. The only places that weren't Pulisic were Messi was along the West Coast and uh, in Florida, and then Ronaldo was in uh, like Oregon or something. But by like Christian Pulisic, that's the but, I, I, but I think that's 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 based on you know soccer jerseys, right? Well, obviously, how many Americans are actually buying soccer no, no, no. jerseys? Obvi- obvi- well, no, 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 no. There is there. That's a big. It's still it's a big sport in America, but. It's just if you wanted to pick a soccer player for America, you'd have to pick Christian Pulisic because that's the or someone like Ronaldo, Messi, whoever. I don't. Knows. I don't think he plays but golf I, though. No, well, this is well, this is not the point. The point is saying that if you were going to pick a soccer player, and it had to be for America, you would either have to pick a Messi, or Ronaldo, so that people knew who they were, or Christian Pulisic because that's the only name that holds any real significance to anyone because he's American and the captain of their national team. That being said, I don't think he's the choice for who it is. I think there are definitely better celebrities and better former athletes who could play or current athletes who could play. And like, I would, I would still really like to see Steph Curry do it again with a professional golfer as his teammate. No shade in Peyton Manning who played, you know, really well in the match too and played well then. Steph Curry is uh, has a one handicap, and I just think if he had a pro that could give him that security, um, he would have been he would have been much better. But I think yeah yeah I think coming to the end of this, you have a lot of different people you can match up with, and I think going forward, I think there are we've kind of obviously floated out some ideas. Some of those are, are very attractive to the average audience. Yep, and I think would would really be uh, fun for the average person to kind of watch. So, I think I think there could be a strong future um, in bringing kind of, you know, retired you know, ex professional athletes and other even professional athletes from other sports into play because I think you know, 
I think it's kind of a fun social thing to kind of watch on Sunday, right? Yeah, Saturday absolutely. Or whenever it's on, so because I mean, football absolutely. stops at at some point, right? So, absolutely. Well, that's bringing it up and bring bring it up. That's bringing us to an end of this episode of the Halftime Brewskis podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed International Bath Day and International Ninja Day. There's uh, the you said International Rhubarb Vodka Day. Apparently, national National Rhubarb Vodka Day. We're not sure what it is, but we Just hope drink you, some vodka. Yeah, we hope you're sitting in the tub, you've slinked your way in like a ninja, and you're having some vodka listening to this. Um, we'll see you again at some point in the future because who really knows when? This world is crazy. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I got nothing much, James. What else you got? I got nothing. Nothing. There you go. Have a good night, folks. All the best. Happy International Bath Day. <laughs>